Hi, this is Mary Coughlin, and I want to welcome you to the Care Out Loud podcast, presented to you by Caring Essentials Collaborative, founder of the Trauma-Informed Professional Certificate Program and internationally recognized leader in trauma-informed developmentally supportive education for parents and professionals serving babies, children, and families in crisis around the globe. I'm wicked excited you're here as we talk about caring out loud. In each moment lies a unique opportunity to create a kinder, more connected and compassionate world one moment at a time. And it all begins with you. so wicked excited to have Dr. Marlies Mist as um, the very first participant in our Care Out Loud podcast series. Dr. Mist hails from Ohio, where she is an assistant professor um, at, in the Martha S. Pitzer Center for Women, Children, and Youth at Ohio State University's College of Nursing. Dr. Mist has an extensive um, background in research um, and clinical positions beginning as a staff nurse at Nationwide Children's Hospital, advancing up to becoming a supervisor with um, patient care services. And it seems like that was a, a pivoting moment with the research possibly. Um, and we'll get more into the details of Dr. Nis's, um actual experiences. Um, one of the things that I was really impressed with too though is the extensive amount of awards and distinctions that this amazing researcher has um, been honored, has, has been the recipient of. Um, most specifically, and maybe you can share more about this, Dr. Mist, as we move forward, is this Distinguished Abstract Award from the Council for the Advancement of Nursing Science, um, which was a, 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 a State of the Science Congress on Nursing Research. Really, really impressive. Um, the recipient of numerous grants um, to pursue her research focus, which is really near and dear to my heart. It's looking at stress and toxic stress and the biological implications of those experiences on very preterm infants. And we will be diving more into that, but just exhaustive list here, an NIH grant recipient, Rockefeller University Research Nursing Grant, NAN, Sigma Theta Tau, just super, super impressive. And I, I think the thing that I really found additionally impactful that really made me want to set up this time with you is uh, the work that you've done on uh, touch. Um, specifically, um, several uh, papers that you've published looking at this, which is really the reason um, that we kind of had this personal get together was I um, published this weekly, well, kind of sort of weekly, um, annotated article review, Thoughtful Thursday. And I came across Dr. Nist's paper um, titled Losing Touch. And when I posted it, I, I think I must have missed, Marlies, that you were on my mailing list. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to be here to speak with you. I uh, heard you speak, oh my gosh, a number of years ago, and I was just so impressed with your passion and your sensitivity towards these babies. And I, was, I went home and I said, oh my gosh, she's the most engaging, wonderful speaker. So I'm so honored to be here myself. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for saying that. Oh, I'm, I'm very honored too. I, you know, when I was looking at your CV, I was intrigued that you didn't start right out in nursing. 
Um, I didn't. You, had a, you started out in biology, which is really, really interesting. How did you pivot from biology into nursing? So nursing was actually, if I'm really honest, never on my radar. Growing up, high school, college just was not on my radar. When I went to college, I was actually going to be in the Air Force. I was going to be a fighter pilot. And for a number of reasons, I changed um, trajectories and decided to major in biology just because at that time it was interesting to me. I didn't really have a long-term goal, which was new for me. I always had a goal, but at that time I didn't have a long-term goal. So when I graduated from the University of Virginia, I went and worked in a couple of research labs as a research assistant. And I gained a lot of skills, a lot of knowledge. It really did influence how I think, but I realized being a research assistant wasn't going to be my long-term career. And I moved to Ohio with my husband and I saw an opportunity for a second degree nursing program. And I thought, that's it, that's what I'm gonna do. So I did. <laughs> um, and it, I mean, it's really been many serendipitous events that have gotten me here. And there are times I think, you know, if I knew when I was 18 or 19 years old that I wanted to be a nurse, I could have gotten here so much faster and I could have contributed so much more. But at the same time, my research would look very, very different. Um, I incorporate a lot of physiologic and biological markers in my research because since these babies can't tell us, their biology tells us in a way. Yeah. So my research would look very different, I think, if I didn't take those turns. I love I loved the way you just described that because I'm a big believer. I mean, it's taken me a while to come to this belief, but that you're always in the right place at the right time. You're just, that's the yes. path that you were called to choose. I'm sorry, called to take. And, um, and you just shared how that's then informed how you show up in your nursing. So oh, absolutely. that's, that's yeah. amazing. Um, so, I mean, when you were doing the, um, you know, your nursing, you started out at Nationwide Children's. Did you start out in the NICU? Or, I did. Uh, you did? What from, the second you? I, from the second I sat down in a classroom, I knew babies were going to be my people. I, I, I have never tried anything else. I've never had any interest in anything else. Babies are just my people. And so even though it took me a while to get to nursing, it didn't take me even a millisecond to get to babies. So that, I just knew I was going to, I've worked in the NICU and that's the only thing I've done. And I love it. I love that it. Is so, when you were doing your research, um, was there anything about like um, mammalian research in particular or stress um, biology or any of that kind of stuff that also kind of contributed to the path that you took? There is some. So as I said, some of it came from my background in biology. I worked in a lab at Ohio State before I came to nursing school that studied um, immune dysregulation related to stress in adults. So I was introduced to those concepts. And I think it was just in my first semester of the PhD program and reading that I realized, you know, this is what these babies are experiencing. They are experiencing profound stress. Yeah. Um, and so that was sort of close to my heart and that's what led me in that direction. I, I'm familiar with some of the animal work, looking at maternal separation and perinatal stress in rodents, but there's only so much translation from rodents to people and yeah. uh, those babies. I just, I love, even now as a researcher, I'm able to get in there and I get to play with them and do neurodevelopmental assessments and that's really fun. Yeah, yeah. But, I, and I think too, you, you, you made um, a comment about the, you know, the gap between, you know, uh, rodent research and human research. And, right. it, and there was just such a paucity of the research that you're now, you know, contributing to science that was just out there and left, you know, left field. Nobody was really paying attention to it. 
And um, I remember in my own nursing career, I'm a bit older than you, um, quite a bit older than you, but, and you may not even be aware of this, but um, back in the, um, you know, in the 80s, we believed that these individuals didn't feel pain. And so, and so they did not receive any interventions for pain, stress, distress. I mean, we really had such a, I don't know, a gap in how we embraced their, their personhood, right? Their, their humanness. I mean, it was, it was very uh, disturbing. I mean, retrospectively, right? I mean, at the time we believed we were doing the best that we possibly could. We were concerned about the deleterious effects of, you know, pharmacological agents and, and that sort of thing. So I think, unfortunately, I mean, obviously we've made strides and we're, and we're, you know, much, much better, but there are still some gaps, you know? Oh, absolutely. And you're filling this, these gaps with some really solid science, which is just well, amazing. I hope so. I, we are saving babies that are younger and younger. Um, and I'm very concerned about what their journey and the NICU looks like. So as a nurse, I think it's my calling, my obligation to make that journey look as gentle and kind as it possibly can. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm trying to, I don't want neonatal ICU nurses to be doers of tasks. I yes. want us to be providers of care. Yeah. Um, and that can be very all-encompassing. It does include some of the technological stuff that we do, but there's also, there's so many human needs for those babies. And I'm just afraid that they miss them. Yeah. Well, and I think the work that you do on touch really speaks to that. And, and um, I mean, obviously I love our nursing colleagues, you know, and I know that they love the work that they do. Yeah. But again, there's that, um, that gap in understanding because we get a cultured into this environment that um, I think it really does detach us from our humanity. And how do we reconnect that um, as nurses, you know, I mean, as really leaders in providing care, that was a beautiful statement, shifting from doing to being and, and, um, and embracing the, the humanness of these individuals. Can you speak a little bit more about that work that you do? With sure. the touch? Mm -hmm. So my whole program of research is trying to figure out the relationships between the stress experiences of, right now I'm focusing on preterm babies, but babies in the NICU mm -hmm. and their long-term neurodevelopmental outcomes. And I started out looking at the biological mediators. So I looked at inflammation, I'm starting to look at some uh, gene expression things, but I'm really interested in how do we buffer the response? Yeah. So what can nurses do to buffer the effects of stress that unfortunately are necessary. Babies have to get IVs, they have to be suctioned, those things have to happen and I understand that, but how can we buffer the effect of those experiences on their stress responses and potentially preserve their neurodevelopment? So I started thinking about what the babies experience and I was sitting in the NICU one day and I thought, hey, what do these babies want? If they could tell me what do they want? And I think they wanna be comforted and they want their parents. Yeah. So how I can comfort them, I think, is to provide some touch. Um, touch is the first sense to develop in utero. It develops very, very early in the first trimester. And then these babies are born early and we abuse this sense. They experience so many noxious procedures. And unless their parents can be there frequently and for prolonged periods, they miss some of that touch that is so necessary to their development. Um, that touch is necessary, not just to provide comfort in the moment, but it actually forms the brain architecture for future sensory perception. And if we mess up that brain architecture early, it can have effects 
for the life for the life course of that baby. So I'm trying to find ways that we can integrate touch and figure out what the effects of touch are uh, during acute stress procedures, but also as part of routine care in the NICU. And I think it's also a way, and this is something I've been toying with in my mind, is what effect does that have on the nurse? I know that when I take a pause and I touch that baby, I really connect with that human. And that just is very fulfilling to me. And I realize nurses are stressed and they have time crunches, but I'm wondering if there are ways to incorporate just brief periods of, we'll call it mindful caregiving. I, I love that. You know what you're making me think about is um, there is this uh, woman, Joan Halifax. Um, she's a, a, a Buddhist monk or a, a Buddhist nun. Um, and she did work with um, end-of-life palliative care nurses in adults. Have you um, seen her work? I haven't, um, no. It's really interesting. And, um, and what she was observing was that there was a high degree of burnout or compassion fatigue with these, you know, with these nurses. And so she um, developed this model and then kind of the operational piece of the model is this, I think you'd call it an acronym. It's GRACE and um, G-R-A-C-E. And so what she had these nurses do before they engaged with their patient, um, it, they practiced grace. And the G was gather your attention and the R recall your intention. The A is, yep, attune to self and other. C, consider your options based on all of that. And then E was engage and, and end. And, um, and so when I, came across that I was like holy moly you know this doesn't have to be just adults you know maybe we could do this with babies as well and I've had several um colleagues you know start to introduce this into their um care routines and and with their colleagues as well where it's really about what you just beautifully stated it's mindful care caregiving you know before you lay hands on that little person or other people too but let you know we'll just think about the little people right now you know, just slow down and, and become present mm -hmm. so that you can have that experience that you just described um, right. and, and the reward that it gets. You had said earlier too, I mean, moving from doing to, you know, um, to being with and providing care requires that moment of presence. So I think it would be phenomenal to really measure or evaluate, you know, quantitatively or qualitatively, how does it feel like for the nurse when they give themselves that grace of time to prepare for the encounter. Exactly. We just finished a pilot study, a very small study, looking at the effect of a very systematic touch intervention on stress responses in babies to routine nursing care. I call it essential nursing care. So when we get in there and we change diapers and we suction and we do all the things that we have to do, yeah. I had the nurses, I did a crossover design. So every baby was his own control. And in one episode, nurses did whatever nurses had to do. And I measured the baby stress responses. And then we did it again. And this time the nurses started the care glove-free, because I think that's so important, glove-free yes. hand containment for a minute. And they were allowed to do nothing else, but for that minute, just sit there and hold the baby. Then they did what they needed to do. They changed the diaper and we went back to holding for 30 seconds because we know diaper changes are stressful. Yeah. Sort of settle the baby. And then at the very end of the care, very last touch they give, they went back to holding to help that baby settle. And we did find preliminarily that the number of stress responses during that uh, period of care was decreased when the babies got the touch. Wow. 
So we're hoping we still have some more data to analyze from that study, and I'm hoping to do a larger scale study. And of course, for me, I think it's really important to decrease that stress response during one care. But ultimately, it's my goal to have to be able to decrease stress over the period of hospitalization and have better outcomes in the end. Yeah. So there's a lot of work still to do with that intervention, but that's what I'm hoping for. That's amazing. And I know um, I, I kind of glanced at the abstract of one of your more recent papers, um, looking at those inflammatory mediators. Mm -hmm. um, and it was it was interesting the way you had, and I'm probably not going to do it justice, so I'm going to flip it over to you shortly, <laughs> but um, how cortisol, it seems, isn't really a reliable indicator. No, that the um, hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis in babies is still developing. So the literature is really all over the place in cortisol measurements. Sometimes it goes up, sometimes it goes down, sometimes it doesn't do anything. You mm. have to be really careful about comparing babies of different gestational ages and different postnatal ages. So cortisol is really tricky. I've tried it. Um, yeah. I'm still working on it, but it's methodologically kind of a, it's a difficult measure to use. Yeah. So I use... Um, measures of the sympathetic nervous system. I like those a lot. And what kind, what measures are those? So I use, right now I'm using skin conductance. We can okay. attach little electrodes to their feet. Um, and babies actually sweat when they, um, psychological arousal leads to sweating on the palms and on the palms of the hands and the soles of the feet. So we can attach little electrodes and then we can measure the um, filling and emptying of sweat glands in the feet. And it produces a wave that we can count the number of waves that happen in a period of time. And it's a direct measure of sympathetic nervous system activation. That, that is awesome. Pretty neat. Um, do you, are you familiar with Stephen Porges' polyvagal theory? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Holy moly. Isn't that fantastic? Yeah. Um, it is. Yes. We, we, I haven't analyzed those data yet, but we have heart rate variability data from those same babies. I just haven't looked at it yet. Yeah. So look I, at the parasympathetic nervous system mm -hmm. and see if it's being suppressed during that time as well. So interesting. I mean, you know, you're so articulate and, it, and clearly, you know, this is your thing. If you were to kind of summarize what's the best thing about research, um, what would you say it is? Oh my gosh, it's being able to just think. I get paid to learn every day. How amazing is that? I just get paid to read and learn and write. And that's amazing to me. Um, and to read and learn and write about something that I'm very passionate about and something that I think makes a huge difference, I hope, um, but something that's really important. So I, I love being able to think about new ideas. Um, some of my ideas crash and burn. Some of my ideas take get a little traction. So it's kind of fun. Um, but yeah, I think I'm a constant learner. I really, really enjoy that. I think that's what my favorite part is. Yeah. That is so wicked cool. I would love to get paid to do that. That sounds phenomenal. <laughs> it's, um, it's pretty, it's pretty right? amazing. It really <laughs> is. And it's, I mean, obviously so important in the world of neonatal research, which I know is really expansive, but um, there are pockets of um, topics um, mm -hmm. that seem, you know, to kind of like, uh, you know, go around, you know, with a, a certain group, you know, so I was wondering, are you part of any kind of a, a consortium or is either international consortiums of research that look at the area that you're looking at that look at toxic stress and look at preterm infants in this way. I don't know that there's a, an organized consortium, although that's a great idea. Um, there are certainly some really well known researchers in this field, um, and we follow each other's work. Um, and we try to collaborate a little bit here and there, but that there are any organized 
consortium, so to speak, although that would be a really neat thing to do. I think that could really advance the science. Um, so thank you for that idea. <laughs> but um, I follow I follow the people, there are several people in uh, throughout the country and the world who do this kind of work and we follow each other's work and we get um, notices when their publications come out. And I've talked to some of them, I meet them at conferences, I've written a paper with one here and there. Um, but unfortunately, we do kind of work in silos, and hopefully, we can bridge those gaps and try to work more, try to work together. Um, because everybody has a, their own little niche within this larger paradigm. Thanks so much for listening in, and I hope you will join me next week for part two of my amazing interview with Dr. Marlies Nist. Showing up on purpose makes the difference, and that begins when we care out loud together. See you next week.